What's up, guys? It's T Mai, and welcome back to T Mai the podcast with your host, Taylor. Hi, guys. It's been so long since I've uploaded an episode, and I'm so sorry. Um, it's been a few months now, actually, and there's been so much going on. Life is completely different. Um, the only thing that is the same is that the coronavirus is still here, screwing up everyone's life. Um, <laughs> so yeah, hi, welcome back to Team I, the podcast, and I'm so excited to say that there are a new few episodes um, that are already recorded for your listening pleasure that I'm excited to share with you all, and that there's going to be a lot more content going forward. Um, I suddenly have some time to upload content because I am currently in a second lockdown. Um, for those of you who don't know, I moved to Vienna, Austria to start graduate school in August. And so I've been exploring Austria, going to school, all of that. Um, of course, following COVID health guidelines, but of course, Europe, um, unlike America actually takes the coronavirus quite seriously. And so we're in our second lockdown for the winter wave that showed up in Austria. Um, so I'm currently in my apartment recording this by myself, which sucks. But I mean, we're in lockdown until at least December 6th. So we'll see how this goes. Um, but I've been trying to keep myself sane. I started doing yoga, um, which I, I've done yoga in the past, but I've never really been that into it. But it's honestly really soothing. And I've also just been taking my um, regular mental health walks, which they allow you to take um, in your neighborhood. Um, but yeah, so I think I'll survive lockdown. Um, go on my Instagram to see what I'm up to, I guess. Or like, tell me what I should be doing to survive this. Because in Georgia, where I'm from, uh, when we first had COVID, we didn't really have that much of a real lockdown. Like the real lockdown only lasted for like two weeks. And then we were the first, first state to open back up in America. Um, I still self-quarantined, but I was still allowed to like go outside and like walk out, you know. So I didn't really experience like a real, real lockdown like this is. So, um, but wish me luck. I hope it goes fine. Uh, yeah. And so I guess the only topics that are really worthy of talking about right this second is <laughs> what's going on in America because I'm not there right now. So it's very interesting to watch everything go down um, from a distance. But of course, like it's still this um, presidential election nonsense going on. Um, of course, Joe Biden the, is the new president elect of the U.S. Um, and basically Donald Trump does not want to accept the fact that he has to move out in January. Um, but he is still tweeting constantly saying that the election was fraud. Um, there's a bunch of, you know, dead people voting in the election, all of this really crazy stuff. Um, but as we know, that's not true. A lot of these court cases have been thrown out. There's a lot of really crazy conspiracy theories going on and being spread in right wing Twitter, the right wing Twitter spirit, as well as just the right wing side of the internet. Um, and so honestly, we can only wait to see what happens. Um, yeah, things are getting crazy, but yeah, we'll see. I hope it doesn't evolve into something wild. Um, but you know, anything can happen, but I just wish my fellow Americans good luck with this nonsense. Um, and it's just kind of nice to be distanced from the election. I've actually never spent any election seasons that I've been eligible to vote in in America. 
2016, I was in Spain and for the midterms I was in Poland and now I'm in Austria. So like I have election phobia. Do not like to be in the in the States when the election's happening. Nope. Don't count me in. Not a fan at all. Um, but yeah, if you want to keep up with um my thoughts on these things, um, my adventures in Austria, et cetera, et cetera, outside of the podcast. You can follow me at Everything TMI on Instagram, and you can also follow me at Everything TMI on TikTok, which I now have 7,000 followers on TikTok. Hey, what's up? So if you like TikTok and you enjoy TikTok, you should follow me on TikTok. Um, but yeah, so today we have a really awesome episode that I recorded a few months ago with my friends. Taylor and Eli, who are both fat activists um, and fighting against fat phobia as a system and also through a um, lens of anti-racism and also a lens of fighting white supremacy. So we're going to be talking about the intersections of fat phobia. And it's such a great episode. I just wanted to thank Eli and Taylor again for doing this episode with me and I'm so sorry I'm just now releasing it because it's such a great episode and we've just been you know sitting and waiting for me to release it and here it is so yeah I hope you all enjoy it all right guys what's up and we're back today with a really phenomenal discussion with two of my favorite people in the world um we're going to be discussing facts and its impact on our society and honestly just getting a general idea of what fat phobia is and all that it encompasses because I feel like a lot of people um, have a big misconception on um, what fat phobia is in general so I'm really happy to have my guests Talora and Eli thank you guys so much for joining me today and yeah um, either of you can introduce yourselves first whoever wants to go (laughs) um I can go first. That's fine. So I'm Taylor. Pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm a master's student in public diplomacy at SU. And I did my undergraduate thesis on community engagement for redefining health. So that's kind of like my niche. My niche knowledge on fat phobia is about like redefining health and how health and being fat are not synonymous to each other Mm -hmm. um and like my thesis idea was that the only way that you can eradicate fat phobia is that the only preventative measure or tool um for preventing eating disorders is to end fat phobia and obviously we're going to talk about that um throughout the throughout the podcast but like fat phobia is like pervasive so the way that we see ourselves is largely shaped by what we consume so how can we change the communities that we're in to change how we see ourselves. And I'm not doing my graduate work on this, but it is something that's really important to me just because I've, I suffered from an eating disorder for um, many years um, and I'm in recovery now. And I also co-founded Students United for Body Acceptance, um, which is an RSO or registered student organization at Syracuse with Eli, which is dedicated Ooh. to promoting <laughs> size acceptance at SU. I'm still involved, um, but grad school is a lot of work. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not doing a ton with that right now, but it is something I'm very passionate about. Nice. Eli? Hey, I'm Eli. I am a senior at SU studying stage management, theatrical direction with a focus in education, and I'm the co-founder of uh, SUBA with with Taylor, and um, 
I got into this work because I also like I struggled with body image and with an eating disorder for a long time. And what I really um, what's really important to me is I think that um, education about fat phobia is missing in discussion about eating disorder Mm. treatment in general. And so that's like what's most important to me is like realizing that unlearning fat phobia is the only real way to prevent and treat eating disorders in general. Mm. Nice. You guys are doing some really amazing work and I've definitely noticed it, especially on campus. So that's why I was like, Oh, got to get my faves to do this. episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. So like just to start off the conversation, um, I just wanted to ask you all, like, Mm -hmm. what would you define as fat phobia? Mm. Um, I mean, I feel like it's always changing, like how I define it, because I learn more and more about like how we got to this place of like, being fat phobic, I guess. And like, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to relate to diet culture. But I feel like since we live in America, where Mm -hmm. we're like very hyper focused on how we look and our appearance, I feel like fat phobia is definitely influenced a lot by diet culture. Mm -hmm. And I did find, I was like looking through definitions and one of them that really resonated with me, um, I couldn't find an author for it, but it says that fat phobia is the racialized, classist and ableist tool of oppression that codifies an ideal body type to center a white Western aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and correlates thinness to healthiness, which perpetuates white supremacist violence. And obviously, we're going to talk later about how it is like linked to white supremacy. Um, but for me, I see it as like a tool of oppression against people based on their body types. Wow, that's like a really good definition, actually. Really good definition. Like, that's a very solid yeah. working definition. <laughs> a working definition. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I often speak about fat phobia in like what it is not. Yeah, and like, especially when it comes to like fatty- fighting fat phobia. Like for me, like fighting fat phobia is not like body positivity. Mm-hmm. I put that in quotes because that, uh, and it's like fat fighting fat phobia is not um, like saying that every person is is like saying that everybody is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, th- that's a totally separate issue for me. Mm-hmm. Like, fight- for me, fighting fat phobia is saying, like, your body is not your, mm-hmm. the end-all mm-hmm. be-all of your worth, mm-hmm. right? It, it, is, it shouldn't be tied to your worth at all. And, like, I, uh, yeah, I just, I, I think people in who think about fat acceptance and body acceptance and see it from an outsider perspective, they don't really understand that part that Taylor brought up that's like, you know, it's it's white supremacy mm-hmm. and it's um, it's rooted in a lot of things deeper than just mm-hmm. like surface mm-hmm. level, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, and I think like that kind of leads into the next part of like common misconceptions around fat phobia because I think for me personally – this is a very new topic for me, actually. Um, I did not really learn about the concept of fat phobia um, until actually you all created your organization. Um, I think, like, for me, it was, like, because learning that, like, these discussions around fat phobia and also body positivity are two separate entities, right? And so I think for me, like, for a long time, I thought it was really just a lot about, like, okay, like, yes, like, I have to love my body, 
that's like mm-hmm. fat phobia is like loving yourself and loving everyone and accepting people and blah 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 when like I'm not really realizing like intrinsically right like deeply ingrained in our society no it's like genuinely connected to all of these things um so like what do you think like are the most like common misconceptions surrounding like the discussion of fat phobia and like fat activism mm-hmm. I think a lot of it comes from the fact that most people don't understand that body positivity as as an idea was founded by black queer Mm -hmm. women um, and then was co-opted by white women, which is why so many people who are like working on fat acceptance today bristle at the idea of body positivity Mm -hmm. in general um, because it's such a co-opted space Mm now um, that I don't necessarily think is like all negative, but like, again, it has the wrong, Mm -hmm. like, um, it has the wrong point, like it has the wrong goal, which is like to make everyone feel accepted, which is like a great and like into the beauty standard, which is a which is a great thing in theory. Mm-hmm. But like, why don't we just smash the beauty standard instead? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and like uh, one of the people who um, is like was instrumental in helping Taylor and I found Suba is Sonia Renee Taylor. Um and her work is in- entirely about the fact that, like, learning how to exist in your body, like, is a revolutionary act. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that's where my fat activism-, activism comes from. And that's where, like, I think most people who are up to snuff on, you know, what they're, what we're actually trying to do here are, like, on the same mm-hmm. wavelength. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's definitely like about not like trying to because like I see a lot of like, like Eli was saying, I see a lot of like fashion beauty campaigns kind of being like, oh, we need like more plus size people, or more like people who are disabled and those kinds of things. And it's like, yes, it should be more normalized. But like, we're kind of just like assimilating in a way and not Mm -hmm. really redefining the terms that kind of got us here, which is like health and beauty like we're not thinking about those outside of like a settler colonial framework and I think that Mm -hmm. that's really important Mm -hmm. to the discussion and like another I guess misconception that I think about a lot is that people think that fat phobia is about preference so like Mm -hmm. the way like I just don't like fat people like it's just not my preference but Jesus like when I was like when (laughs) I was in treatment I had to really grapple with the idea that maybe like the like food has no relationship to like weight size health your Mm -hmm. worth and then that led me to like grapple with the idea that oh maybe my fear of being fat is more than just a personal preference Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's a societal issue that's rooted in different isms and so that's like what bothers me the most is associating being fat with being unhealthy and using Mm -hmm. health as a justification for not wanting to be fat. And mm-hmm. most right. people can't even tell you to begin with what the correlation between fat and unhealthy is. They just assume its existence because that's what we've been told. Mm-hmm. And you can't talk about fat phobia without speaking about ableism mm-hmm. too. Like the idea that even in like, even, even well-meaning d- discussions about fat phobia often like are like well fat people can be healthy and i'm like right. yes but also like you don't have to be healthy to be mm-hmm. a, like a, a value yeah. you know a value mm-hmm. a valuable human like human being mm-hmm. right 
Um, I'm a, I'm a fat disabled person. I'm a fat chronically ill person. I'm never going to be healthy. That is not because I am fat. That's because I won the anti-genetic lottery. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so like, I think again, it comes back to like viewing things outside of a framework that, that the, the viewing things outside of a framework that involves like white supremacy, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because like this wasn't the. I mean, there's always those videos that are like, "This wasn't the beauty standard always." I'm like, yeah, that's because of white supremacy. <laughs> like, they like made a they made a conscious effort right. to equate, like, b- like blackness with fatness mm-hmm. and right like, that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. They did that on purpose to like, as a as a tool, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because I think so. like, um, as well, like to just like hop on the points you all are making i do what's interesting about these conversations in general i guess in a general sense and like the common misconception is like this inability to like take fat phobia as a concept serious if that Mm. makes sense because i think like a lot of people don't take it seriously and Mm -hmm. like kind of see it more as like a feel-good kind of thing like oh like we're just gonna ignore health or whatever, like mm. what health truly means, right? In order to like be PC to fat mm-hmm. folks or like whatever, right? And it's mm-hmm. just like, I think like that's been the most, I would say like the thing that people have to unlearn the most in my opinion, yeah. in terms of like around their misconceptions mm-hmm. that it's like not simply just a word, like oh PC thing to make people feel good and like mm-hmm. whatever. No, like right. no, it's like a real legitimate like yeah. yield of study A, but also a real There's problem. Not... Like, it's a real issue, right? Right. Mm. The, the, the negative health outcomes, right, that are associated with mm. weight are more associated with one, yo-yo dieting, mm-hmm. right? Which is something that fat acceptance activists are act- actively against. Mm-hmm. So, like, the active losing weight and gaining weight repeatedly has more effect on your health than just staying fat. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, two, we're, when we, like remove fat phobia from the question about like healthcare specifically, I think about the fact that every fat person I know has had symptoms ignored mm-hmm. at the doctor because they're fat. Um, I have, except for, I can think of one doctor's appointment in my entire life where my weight has not been an issue. Mm. Right. Mm. Every, and I'm a chronically ill person. I've been in and out of the doctor my whole life. Right. Every single appointment I've ever been in, my my weight has been an issue. I I had a, a diagnosis delayed for over ten years because the test wouldn't be run because I was fat. Um, and I think I I know every fat person I know has some kind of story like that where we're told that our symptoms are not real. And so like when we say like being fat is unhealthy, okay, is that because being fat is actually inherently unhealthy, or is it because doctors? ignore us until we die right mm-hmm. right and and that's that's real mm-hmm. like that's that's tangible and like people really don't see that as valuable because they don't have the experience mm-hmm. and there's even studies that show like because a, another big thing that i hear a lot with people being fat is like oh you're gonna die early but there's mm-hmm. actually was um i forget her name i believe it's katherine flegel she worked for the CDC and basically she did like a study that like put um, everything on a curve, like 
your BMI to the mortality rate. Mm -hmm. And the low, the people with the lowest life expectancy were actually people who had a, like a low BMI. So like by Mm -hmm. our standards, like somebody who's underweight technically, but that's the beauty ideal here, right. Is to like Mm -hmm. be very thin. Mm -hmm. And those people actually have the lowest life expectancy and people who are over a normal BMI. So 30 or above, they actually have the longest life expectancy. So it kind of just shows that like people just don't actually like know anything about it like Mm -hmm. we don't put in the effort to know about these things we just are like kind of conditioned to believe it Mm -hmm. and like Eli was saying about the doctors like I think it's because people don't understand that fat phobia is like an institutional issue like it Mm -hmm. impacts how you are able to live in our world Mm -hmm. like not only like you know having equal access to quality health care but like do you see yourself represented in your culture do you have a sense of belonging Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you can, like, get housing, things like that? Like, there's a bunch of studies that show that fat people are, like, denied promotions at work or denied Mm -hmm. housing simply because of being fat. And I don't think Mm -hmm. people – people see it as, like, oh, you're fat, like, kind of like a bullying thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think people see it as, Mm -hmm. like, a deeply rooted issue. It's it's because fatness is turned – similar to other like forms of oppression like your fatness is turned into a moral failing Mm -hmm. right and it's given moral characteristics like fat people are seen as lazier fat Mm. people are seen as um less dedicated right because of the assumptions about the way that fatness works Mm -hmm. right um and so it's it's yet another system that like perpetrates perpetrates itself because if fat people are mm-hmm. oppressed in that way where they can't get promotions right they can't they aren't they're denied housing mm-hmm. um then you're stuck in the same situation um which i think is is why in the definition you brought up like classism is so mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. as as much as much based in ra- like racism and anti-blackness as fatness like fat, in, as fat phobia is like classism is just as um just as uh as tied because if you like look at actual historical trends like fat people used to be the like rich people mm-hmm. right seen as like rich people because they were able to feed Literally, themselves yeah. right right but then uh, similarly to what they did with you know anti like with um, with anti-blackness they made the you know those in power made the ex- like made the decision to change the narrative mm-hmm. and make fat people poor um which again perpetu- is perpetuated by the fact that like poor people exist in food deserts mm-hmm. where they might, might not right. have access to the same level of of you know you know nutritious mm-hmm. eating and um so like it's a it, again it, it, it's a systemic issue like like Taylor said, it's a systemic issue that's uh, so much more uh, deeply rooted than just like beauty standards and and like bullying. Yeah, because I was gonna say that like even like when um, Taylor brought up this thing about BMI and everything, right? Like even mm-hmm. for me, like BMI has always been bullshit, right? Like for me, because just mm-hmm. like by virtue of my body type, like just being 
a black American with the body that I have. I will never like reach the standards of not being quote unquote obese, like Mm -hmm. in the standards of like what BMI is based off, off of. And I remember like when I was younger, like quite literally, it was just really frustrating because like, of course, like you have this, like, like you were saying, Eli, like the moral failing, right. Of like, you feel like, morally inept and I felt lazy and this and that and like really self-conscious because every time I go to the doctor Mm -hmm. like it's a constant thing of like oh well you know you're overweight or you're obese or you're this or you're that or like whatever Mm -hmm. right and it's just like for me it was frustrating because it's like why full fine (laughs) like I feel healthy Mm -hmm. like I can Mm -hmm. move like I'm playing Mm -hmm. sports like I'm doing all of these things like what else do I have to do to get my weight to where it needs to be right right and it's like a mm-hmm. bitch has hips you know what i'm saying like it's not mm-hmm. going right it's not gonna be lower and it's not gonna <laughs> be the standard and i remember like one day like my dad like um like yelled at me right because he was mad that i was getting so upset about how my body was looking and he and he's mm-hmm. like don't you get it like you're black you have thighs <laughs> like yep. that's just how it is like it is what it is like you're not gonna reach that vmi that they keep telling you with the doctors you have to say mm. fuck it like it is what it is and it's just kind of like it, it's this frustrating thing of um and i guess it leads into the next question of like how like fat phobia is steeped in these mm-hmm. systems of like anti-blackness of like mm-hmm. classism um ableism etc right and like how right. all those things intersect because it's like for me it's like it's like, I didn't understand like why I could never reach this standard, right? Because it's like, you're already struggling with um, different standards of beauty already. Right. Like there's so much mm-hmm. other things besides your weight in terms of like fitting into like the Eurocentric standard of beauty. But, like weight is such a mm-hmm. big deal in the US specifically. I mean, everywhere, obviously, like fat phobia is obviously global, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, to the point where it's, like, even here, like, I bought a bike recently. The bike seat is not big mm-hmm. enough for my butt. Right. None of the bike seats are big enough for my butt. Yeah. And I'm, like, yo, like, things are not, like, literally physical things mm-hmm. are not made for people right. that are larger than the quote-unquote average. And it's, like, who are we looking at as the average in the first place? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, so right. it's, like, yeah, like, I guess you guys can go into, like, how, like, it – you know goes into all of these structures and like how it is institutional and yeah yeah mm-hmm. I'm I don't think people understand the like the impact that physical space not being made for you has mm-hmm. right like when I get on a plane and like the seatbelt doesn't fit mm-hmm. like that does something to you psychologically especially when you're in a place like for me now I'm like okay fuck it mm-hmm. whatever um but like if when I was not in a good place like that, mm-hmm. that hurt, mm-hmm. that like deeply hurt me. And so like, and I think I think what we're hitting on when we're saying like it's worse in America mm-hmm. is the fact that like capitalism is worse yeah. here, and capitalism feeds diet culture, which means diet culture is worse right. here, mm-hmm. right? So like that's why that's why America's fat phobia has a different tinge to mm-hmm. it. Because, like, it's it's extra steeped in diet culture and, like, selling thinness to us as a brand mm-hmm. more than anywhere mm-hmm. else. And, like, my – I mean, my favorite – that kind of sounds, like, morbid, but, like, I guess, like, just telling people, like, the history of how this, like, became mm-hmm. about is, like, really something that I enjoy telling people because I think when people don't take me seriously – because I am not – I'm not – I don't believe that I'm fat. I've never really had anyone tell me that I'm fat, but I am not like 
quote unquote thin average mm-hmm. sized. And so when I tell people that I'm passionate about these topics, they kind of are like, why? Like, you're not even fat. Mm -hmm. Like, it shouldn't be something you care about. And then I'm like, well, I care about being anti-racist. And they're like, Mm -hmm. what does that have to do with it? And it's like, um, it stems from white supremacy because, like, the cool thing about this topic is, like, that you can see it through art. Like, this, Mm -hmm. like, scientists prior to the height of the slave trade we're already trying to find differences between white and black people. And like, we, mm-hmm. we know mm-hmm. that, like that they were trying to do these fine biological differences by like skin, like head shape, bodies and body size was one of those things. So African people were seen as being fat, like mm-hmm. having big busts, big butts, big thighs. And so in a lot of the artwork from that time, you can see like the standard changing. So like Mm -hmm. in the Renaissance era and prior to that, Mm -hmm. most European artwork depicted voluptuous, like fat white women. And then Mm -hmm. the closer that you get to eugenic, like I guess exploration of race, you and the closer you get to slavery and colonialism, you see that the white women in the art get thinner and thinner Mm -hmm. and that black women are portrayed Mm -hmm. more often and -hmm. they're portrayed as fat in incredibly unrealistic ways. So like Mm -hmm. Sarah Bartman, um, she -hmm. was a slave or I don't, I guess she was a slave. I think she was a slave, but there's a different term for it. I guess she was like a servant to this guy Mm -hmm. and she was referred to as like the hot and tot Venus. And she's portrayed like kind of like with, huge like a huge butt huge boobs fat and like she was like actually a real life person who was like taken around europe and people would like pay to like just look at her and like they would like it would be like oh look at fat black people and so then it became like the norm to associate those two together and like in sabrina string's book she talks about this stuff like in so much detail. Like there's so much mm-hmm. evidence that clearly showcases like how um, eugenics, eugenics like looked at weight and body size as like a indicator of racial supremacy. And like all of these drawings and paintings like of black women, they're so over exaggerated and it's like mm-hmm. probably not real. It's just a racist exaggeration that validates like exploiting black people in their bodies. Mm-hmm. The the book is I, that I highly that I I highly recommend. It. It's fearing the black body, um, and the racialized history of fat phobia, and it's really like it's really eye opening. It's all of this stuff, but I just like to touch back on BMI. Like that's mm-hmm. a remnant of that eugenics, right? Like. Because BMI is literally like race. It, right. it, it comes out of that race science. Yeah. Like and most of our science. We all, <laughs> we all know that like race, like race science is like Nazi shit. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Not like, real has no basis in any kind of scientific right. reality. Mm-hmm. But we've built our entire medical system right. around it on yeah. that. Right. And so like, that's why, like, that's again, why fat people have such like, high rates of you know institutional like pushback mm-hmm. anytime they try to access any kind of health care mm-hmm. um because that's what our system is based on i don't even really blame doctors necessarily right. because that's like the system that's based on i know like three doctors on the internet that are mm-hmm. like 
health at every size practitioners yeah. who like really believe that like fat phobia is worse for their patients than being fat mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um I wish there were more and I wish that I could say that like we've come far in that area but honestly like as far as like and I think that's what's frustrating about the fact that the body positivity movement mm-hmm. has 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 been has gone so mainstream but the actually dangerous stuff is still right big. yeah Right. That seems to be like, the trend <laughs> when it comes to fixing any constitutional yeah. problem. It's like, let's do right. everything but fix the problem. Right. Literally, it's so frustrating. Like, even the fact that like, people doctors like, haven't stopped using the BMI yet, like, that blows mm-hmm. my mind because, like, basically, the guy who invented it, he was. Uh, like a mathematician like he didn't study medicine at all but his work like centered around finding the average man like it was this like social idea of like the perfect person and like Mm -hmm. obviously it was like um like people of color were seen as a separate species from Mm -hmm. white people Mm -hmm. and part of that had to do with like calculating bmi like that's literally how it began and we're very aware of this so the fact that we still use it. It like it was never even designed to to measure body fat or health or anything. We just made it into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I guess it like completely intertwines as well as like the medical dismissal for me is like probably the mm-hmm. most um, scary about fat phobia. I think, um, and it like intertwines with the fact that like black people in general like aren't taken seriously when we go to the doctor anyway yep um and it's just like i can't even imagine like being a fat black person like going to the doctor Mm. and like being like oh like (laughs) like fuck you (laughs) not only are we gonna ignore you but we're gonna ignore you even more and like take forever to like find what the issues are right and it's just kind of scary because it's like you know like of course like i every family like has fat black folks in it right Mm -hmm. and it's just like i don't just even experiencing or like listening to some of the stuff that like is said to my family members when they go to the doctor mm-hmm. is really disturbing if I'm being honest and this idea that like well if you just lose some weight you're fine right like all right. your medical issues will dissipate well, like, like if you just lose some weight or you just walk around in circles until some right. of the weight falls off and it's just like how do you it, it's just like that's not what can you do for them now <laughs> And like, like, and why like, is this the only option? Because I know for a fact it's not. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's the it, we've exposed this problem so many times. Like we've we we've like to the point where like doctors are just fat phobic out in the right. open, right? Like they 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 don't have to hide mm-hmm. it. Like they just they simply do not have to like right to 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 disguise anything because it's built into the system, which is mm-hmm. like so like frustrating to me. And, like, it, for me, that ties into the fact that, like, so I I, have a, I also have a history of eating disorders. And when I was at my most sick, it was, I I never lost a bunch of weight. Like, I was, I was, like, continued to be, like, an overweight fat person through the height of my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. But, like, all my hair was falling out. And, mm-hmm. like, I, like, right, like, I was very sick, very obviously right. sick. And I was, like, mentally sick. But, like, I fought tooth and nail to get treatment because be simply because they were like well you haven't lost enough weight so you must right. not have an eating disorder jesus right and so like i and which which is why i'm so passionate about the fact that like 
there really is no eating disorder recovery right. until fat phobia is unlearned. Right. Because, like, yes, e- eating disorders are, like, mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's they're not caused by, like, the existence of, like, mm-hmm. right? But, but they are exacerbated and built on right. fat phobia mm-hmm. in, in the society. And so, like, right. it, there is... Uh, I, I bristle it when I'm in spaces revolving around eating disorders where it's like, mm. if you eat, you won't get fat. And I was like, what if being fat wasn't the worst thing to ever happen to you, right. right? Like, what if, what if you could, it, it, it's, right. like, it's okay if you gain weight when you right. recover. And most people do. And that, like, you have to, you have to, you have to transcend <laughs> that. You have to. It's a part of like being a, a human is gaining weight. Literally. Like that's part of being alive. And like, yeah, like in eating disorder recovery, they spend so much time talking about like how you're not going to get fat. And it's like, why is that seen as a bad thing? Especially when, you know, most like Eli was saying, there are a lot of treatment centers which require you to be at a certain weight to mm-hmm. even be admitted into the program or mm-hmm. to be diagnosed with an eating disorder. But that's- strange mm-hmm. it is like and anor- yeah. i mean yep. i think they recently changed the definitions but for a very long time anorexia you had to be at a certain um like bmi to even mm-hmm. be diagnosed with it mm-hmm. which is why it is it's just like the like obviously while all of that exists and it's like a valid issue there are still fat people who seek eating disorder treatment and mm-hmm. so like you're a fat person in this space who's struggling in the same way that everyone else is, but you're being told like that the people in the room shouldn't worry about being fat like you are. Like that kind of is the, like there was a, a fat person when I was in treatment and it felt like just wrong, like that they were mm-hmm. telling us these things when there's someone who's in the room who looks like what other people don't want to look like. Like it feels mm-hmm. almost like unsafe for their like mental well-being for them Mm -hmm. to even be in those spaces because it's so fat phobia is so normalized like in eating disorder treatment because we see like we see eating disorders as unhealthy but we still see fat as unhealthy also Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and so I wanted to move into like how um like this point of like fat phobia being directly intertwined with white supremacy and like really Mm -hmm. like um making that point like kind of more clear I guess because I think like when people hear that they're like okay <laughs> and I mean I think like right. to Laura's, I but think how, to Laura's yeah. point about like you know like the history behind it right like the anti-black history of like fat mm-hmm. phobia like how fat phobia is like you know cemented itself in society like is really like was a really good point I think and I think like if you guys have any more examples or like explanation for like how um the direct like connection between white supremacy and fat phobia is like yeah there's like just I mean I really recommend reading um Sabrina Strink's book but also like she goes on podcasts very often and talks about this Mm -hmm. in a way that's like easy to understand because the book is a lot of historical like overview kind of like looking at archive and like looking at artwork but like there's even this guy I can't remember his name but we basically you don't see fat phobia existing until colonialism and slavery start like that's Mm -hmm. when it begins Mm -hmm. so that should already give you 
you know, a little heads up that it might be racist. (laughs) (laughs) If it starts at the slave trade, it might be racist. Right, and there there were race scientists, like, during this era. We know Mm -hmm. that. And there was a book, basically, that was called something, like, about the varieties of the human species, if I remember that from Mm -hmm. Sabrina's book. And she and in, in the book, like the varieties of the human species, they claim that Africans lack this like self-discipline that Europeans have. And so that's why they like eat so much food is because they don't have self-discipline and they have sex and like all this like completely just racist made up stuff. And like that. Racism. Yeah. And like given that like, you know, in like sub-Saharan Africa, there's a lot of um like lush food sources and those kinds of things. So the result is like, of course, these people are fat. And I remember in the book, like, yes, they're fat, but they're stupid. Like those things are, are directly correlated Mm. like to each other. From day one, from like the beginning of fat phobia, it's like, it's, it's the moral, right? Like the, that's the, that's why. That's how the ableism comes into to view is it's being fat is seen as like, of like there's something biologically wrong with you and it grew out of like race science Mm -hmm. and like just like kind of describing like you know throughout this time like 17th century they're like talking about like the ideal woman is like someone who is like curvy but not Mm -hmm. fat because fat people are black people Right. And it makes no it makes no sense to us now. But you can see through the artwork like that at one point, white women were like very valued when they were fat, mm-hmm. but not not after slavery, the slave mm-hmm. trade, and colonization start. It mm-hmm. just doesn't, and especially in America, like we live in settler colonialism, which is mm-hmm. different than just colonialism. So like we're just in a like we're just surrounded by it, and I don't think it. And it makes sense, right? Like when you're like, oh, fatness, what does that have to do with like being racist? Mm -hmm. And it's not like you're racist because you don't want to be fat, but you have to recognize that like fat phobia was born out of the idea of Mm -hmm. creating racist separation. Mm -hmm. Like white people are thin, black people are fat. And Mm -hmm. that's just kind of what a lot of racial science for like centuries was based off of simply Mm -hmm. by looking at black people's bodies and being like, oh, they're fat or they have a big butt Mm -hmm. like that. It has no moral sounding, but we still base like all of our medical decisions and like health off of that notion. And I think it's interesting, right? Because it's like, I mean, I think something that will always confuse me with beauty standards is like, I don't see how people can... I just don't, this obsession with, like, having fat parts of your body but not being fat Mm. makes absolutely no sense (laughs) to me. Because I'm, like, especially, like, with, like, guys in general seeking partners or whatever where they're, like, oh, fuck, like, I want a fat ass and some tits and, like, (laughs) and some thighs. That fat ass and those tits and those thighs come with a stomach. That's how it works. That's how it works. Everybody wants that, but like you don't want it, and but you don't want it on a black person either, right? There's that. That's what that. That's what I was gonna say. I'm like the fact, the way that um that like the Kardashians and like and like other like 
white celebrities who've made having huge butts their like whole personality, right? <laughs> right. Like they get to capitalize mm-hmm. off that. But like I meanwhile, never. like black women have been like having that naturally for centuries and like it's been a tool of oppression and I just think like the way that like fat phobia and like has been like like reversed to just for like white women with thin stomachs Mm. is so fucking weird to me right right like it's I mean it makes total sense and it like fits with like historical (laughs) trends and it makes absolute sense but also it baffles Mm -hmm. my mind right like because I'm just like I look at them and I'm like you put the same features on a black woman and she gets like just obliterated mm-hmm. for it and hypersexualized mm-hmm. because I think that's the interesting part too about about the Venus that's on the cover of mm. um uh, uh is that from uh, the on, on the cover of um fearing the black body is that um sh- like she was a like like ogled at but immediately sexualized. Right. And like over and like that, like that phobia is also where like the basis of like hypersexualization of right of like of like black women comes yeah. from. Um, and so it's just it is infuriating to me that like black women have had to deal with that oppression for so long, and then like white women get to profit off it. Yeah, later. it's just it's just. Boils it grinds my, yeah. my it grinds my, <laughs> my ears and yes. and it's just unre- and it's just unrealistic in general i mean like right. i think it's also just like it's interesting as well like we had this discussion earlier but like when we were talking about size acceptance it's like whose size is being accepted as well mm-hmm. it's like, right even when like i watch like i'll scroll through tiktok or whatever and people are like this is a body positive mm-hmm. space and like you know you can try right. as much as you want to like on t- it's tiktok like for christ's sake so like yeah it's gonna be toxic right but it's just like even the plus size girls that are being boosted Mm. are still like really thick like plus size like yeah acceptable plus size type you know what i mean yeah and i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm like we need love for our pancake booty misses as well and like yep they we all deserve love you know what i'm saying like it's just kind of like it's just frustrating because it's just like still like whose size is being accepted and then mm-hmm. whose size is accepted but not accepted on them because of their skin. And it's just like right. so mm-hmm. many different dichotomies when it comes to size. And also mm-hmm. this idea mm-hmm. of like being forced into accepting yourself as well. Yeah. Like, right. I, which is like something that I've struggled with as well as like, um, like me like having wanting to change something about myself and like mm-hmm. when is it problematic to want to change something about myself? Yeah. And when is mm-hmm. it like me just wanting to change something about myself and I want people to shut the fuck up and like let me do that thing right right, right. I mean like uh, as as like an anti-fat phobia activist mm-hmm. and also a trans person mm-hmm. like that's my yeah. that's my mm-hmm. day-to-day right like being like I want to ch- like learning how to how to d- differentiate in your mm-hmm. brain when you're changing for you and when you're changing for mm-hmm. other people um and yeah, I think I just, I think it, I just think it's really interesting that like people are like, how did I how did you get into anti racist work as a white person? And I'm like, because I'm fat and I'm trans, mm-hmm. and like, and being like, uh, being passionate about fat phobias, mm-hmm. being passionate about anti racism, mm-hmm. being passionate about transphobias, being passionate about anti racism, mm-hmm. like, you can't separate mm-hmm. those things in the same way you can't separate fat phobia and mm-hmm. classism, right? 
Um, and so I just think it's when what we have to do is learn. We say this a lot It's in Suba, like, change the world not Mm -hmm. your body and like that seems like a really like 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 a um a really floaty thing to say (laughs) but like what we actually mean by that is like fight fat Mm -hmm. phobia like fight you know fight racism like fight those systems instead of fighting Mm -hmm. yourself right right and like work to dismantle those systems because it actually makes you more comfortable in your Mm -hmm. body yeah like you will There's never no- you will never feel comfortable in your body just through like trying to love it. It's just not it's not gonna happen. Harder. No, it doesn't it's work. It's not gonna happen. It doesn't work. But and I, I feel- don't like myself. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's fine. Like you <laughs> I just don't want I just don't see the obsession with like wanting to be in love with yourself. Like I just want to exist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there shouldn't be mm-hmm. this idea that you need to be like like you want to have sex with yourself like that's what people <laughs> I see they're like oh like I'm so fine like I would smash I'm like I probably wouldn't but like <laughs> but like I still deserve to be respected as exactly. any other person mm-hmm. on this earth mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's <laughs> sorry. I couldn't think of I a better like way to are- really <laughs> But, like, people really do that, and I'm, like, I'm, like, that's cool, like, especially if people are, like, I'm getting my mm-hmm. power back, like, mm-hmm. I love yeah. it, I love it for you, but, like, the issue is you shouldn't have to mm-hmm. love yourself, if you, if I feel like when we, when we go from you shouldn't have to look mm-hmm. a certain way or feel a certain way about yourself to be worthy of, like, general societal, like, mm-hmm. approval, you know what I mean, like, or, like, like, you shouldn't have to to exist in society and be a, a cared for mm-hmm. human being. Yeah. Right. Well, I feel um, like it gives me the, it's kind of like the, we don't see color, but like for, <laughs> for right. like fat folks. Yeah. You know, because it's like, no one's going up to thin folks or like being mm. like, Oh my God, like love yourself. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. Like you look amazing queen. Like, Boom! Like, da-da. I like, would. No one's actively no. going out of their way to gas up skinny people. Like, no, it's just no. not a thing that's <laughs> happening, right? I would. I would love to be able to go to a party in a crop top, mm. and not be called brave. Mm-hmm. I would appreciate it. I would love that mm-hmm. experience, but I've never had mm-hmm. it before because that's people's reaction mm-hmm. to my body. And like, I've had this conversation with people so many times. It is not a compliment to tell a fat person that you think they're brave mm-hmm. for existing. Um, because what you're saying is like, if I looked like you, I'd mm. like end my life. Right? Like, that's what you're like, saying. Like, I wouldn't do what, what you're, you're doing. Like, I wouldn't do what you're like. And like, that is such a, like, that's what it, mm-hmm. that's what I hear when I, when, when you're like, oh my God, you like, you're so brave. I mean, that is like, what you're hearing. wearing. Because like, people would, there's because, a lot of people I, that actively would rather oh yeah like society conditions you to like literally like my dad Mm -hmm. like this is horrible he's probably gonna hate me for saying this whatever he doesn't listen to it i hope sorry dad but there was a time (laughs) where like you know like my dad like literally like and this is horrendous and like might be triggering so like i'm saying this beforehand but like literally like he i think i was like what like 18 19 and we were hanging out one day and he was just like if i get any bigger Mind you, like, he's overweight, whatever. Like, who cares? But he's like, if I get any bigger than this, like, I just want you to kill me. He said that to me. 
Mm. And I just looked at him like, why the fuck would you say that to me? Right. And he, but the thing mm-hmm. is, he was so serious. He wasn't joking. Yeah. Right. No, I don't think people understand like the serious implications of like, and that's on literally. Trackopia, and that's exactly. on how impressive it is. Is that like people like really don't mm. and like shows like my six hundred oh my life Jesus. and like other things that were you don't see fat mm-hmm. people right. like just existing mm-hmm. ever no like ever in the media like it just doesn't mm-hmm. happen which is like people are like why do you uh post your outfits on instagram so often i was like because i might be the only fat person that anyone sees on their instagram feed mm-hmm. all right. day and like for me like when i start when i like i start every like every couple suba meetings with like who's cleared out their like instagram following recently because like that's a legitimate way yeah. i could like if people are like, I'm struggling with my body image, I'm like, unfollow everyone on Instagram, only follow people you know in real life and people whose bodies look like yours or are like fatter mm-hmm. than you or like like people of color or, you know, like only follow marginalized people and people mm-hmm. you know. That's yeah. it. Because like if you keep following the Kardashians mm-hmm. and other like influencer, like skinny influencer people, you're going to feel bad about yourself because that's what mm-hmm. you're seeing. And if you don't see yourself reflected having a good time you're not gonna have literally a country like i don't know what country it is i think it's britain but i'm not sure but there's like a country literally like suing like instagram or something or like like, trying to make it a law in order to like tell people you're photoshopping because of how it's literally Mm -hmm. impacting the mental health of like the youth in their country yeah and it's like people I don't think people realize though like how pervasive and serious it is especially like on our generation specifically like Gen Z gets it the worst in my opinion mm-hmm. like hands down in terms of like internalizing a lot of these like image a lot of this imagery and everything and I think like that kind of mm-hmm. like segues into the next part of like you know figuring out like how do we first like systemically like combat right fat phobia but as well as like individually work on like combating internalized fat phobia and like also accepting mm-hmm. the fact that like this is probably going to be an issue for a very 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 long time yeah mm-hmm. and a constant battle with yourself as well as a battle outside of yourself right um and like what advice do you guys have on um dismantling that oh. <laughs> i think sonia renee renee taylor's book is the only like way forward i've ever seen which is like her work is like is like owning your own body is the first step to like dismantling the systems that like that Mm -hmm. oppress you right and like and you can't move forward without doing that and I like absolutely believe that um and it's I think as much as representation is not liberation Mm -hmm. I think fat people more than I, I almost any group of people like just do not see them like if I went to high school and I think I went to like a a thousand person high school and like I think there were like three other fat people because I went to like a I went to like a a private high school and I think a lot of fat people especially in certain like spaces go through their day and don't Mm -hmm. see themselves which can be really demoralizing and I think again that's again that's why I like I stress social media so much is because if that's what you're seeing um like you kind of have to like like even it out and like uh uh, overcompensate Mm -hmm. a little bit by like seeing people who Mm -hmm. look like you yeah and like seeing people who look like you and like are like Mm -hmm. yeah right 
Because, like, I mean, there's, like, fat storylines on TV, but they yeah, all true. suck. Shrill? I think the only fat show of like, like, the only fat, and that's, I was, I was saying Shrill is the only thing I'm, like. Right. It, it, it's it. That's it. That is it. That's all we've got. <laughs> like, a, a fat person who is, like, realized mm-hmm. and, like fully fleshed out i would say though like in a lot of black sitcoms like older ones there's a lot of black fat leads that are women Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. and i think like i think like that's kind of interesting in my opinion like i guess in our community normal (laughs) i don't know like i I, i'm not really sure like i mean people make people will like make like at the cookout you'll get those comments about weight or like whatever but i mean i would say like in terms of like desirability i think like fat Mm -hmm. like accepting fat bodies is like a lot more acceptable in the black community and like seeing it because like it was kind of annoying like seeing rebel wilson is if i think that's her name like being like i'm the first like lead ever like in a romance so you're not queen latifah and i'm like um (laughs) ma'am and like have done this yeah 20 years ago sis like you were not the first desirable fat person on the big screen like that's not true and I think like that's a thing of like you know it helps like normalizing Mm -hmm. non-western non-white media um and Mm -hmm. really genuinely like that could also help in terms of like dismantling fat phobia as well as just like white supremacy in general yeah Mm -hmm. yeah you can't tackle one without tackling mm-hmm. the other. Like, I mean, that goes for, like, all systems of oppression. They're literally mm-hmm. all connected by, like, capitalism and, like, other, you know, just, like, general systemic bullshit. But, like, you really can't tackle fat phobia without tackling ableism and anti-racism. Mm-hmm. Um, you just can't do it. Yeah. Like, and so, like, if, if you want to start, like, creating, you know, like, those spaces you have, like, in, in the communities you exist in, like, you start advocating for education and like physical accessibility Mm -hmm. so like hey are the chairs that are around the literal table we're sitting Mm -hmm. at right now accessible to Mm -hmm. everyone right i like taylor and i've had this conversation a couple times like a lot of the desks at su don't fit fat bodies like the like desk seat things like with the with the with the chairs um they don't fit fat bodies. And, like, if that's not a, like, indicator of, right. you know, in- an indicator of institutional failure, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. <laughs> so, like, it's advocating for, like, the mm-hmm. physical space right. issue, right? That's – those are the things mm-hmm. that, like, for me are most valuable in the here and now. Because you're right, like, fat phobia is going to exist mm-hmm. for a while. Right. You know? But, like – it's the things we can do to start chipping away at it. Yeah. Like, for me, I feel like I'm not really coming from a place of, like, being fat. Like, I technically, like, obviously, like, based off BMI and whatever other, like, dumb shit. Like, I've had, you know, the doctor or someone tell me, like, you're overweight. But I feel like when you have an eating disorder for, like, a very, very long time, Mm -hmm. like, it becomes just like ingrained in your brain kind of in a different way than it is for people who have never experienced that. And it it has to start with like learning that health and weight 
are not synonymous. And like, you just need to get rid of that idea or else I really feel like you can't recover. Like Mm -hmm. you cannot recover from an eating disorder or like disordered eating or body dissatisfaction if you don't get over or not get over because that sounds like it's like trivializing the issue, but you can't fear being fat. Like it's just, you're not going to be able to do both. It'll come back at some point. Like Mm -hmm. that has happened Mm -hmm. to me before. And it's something I deal with every day. It's like thinking like, why do I look this way? And Mm -hmm. just like, I'm dedicated to like decolonizing like feminisms and like our reality kind of. And if you Mm want to be dedicated to something like that, you can't be fat phobic because you're Mm -hmm. ignoring the ways that colonialism is connected to viewing and valuing people's bodies. Mm -hmm. So like you need to learn health and weight are two different things. And like what was really good for me was like telling my doctors, like being proactive. Like when Mm -hmm. I go to the doctor, I tell them, I do not want you to weigh me. And if Mm -hmm. they say that they have to, I say, okay, don't tell me, like, please, like, just, I'll just turn around. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. And I also make sure before, you know, if I have a nurse who I've never seen before or something, I always tell them, like, please don't bring up my weight. Like, I have an eating disorder. And you would Mm -hmm. think that, you know, you're a medical professional. You think you would read somebody's, like, chart before you go into the room. Mm -hmm. But there's been numerous times where I've had a doctor who was not, like, my primary person. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, like, I kind of see your weight. Like, you know, you could lose some weight. And I'm like, oh, like, did you read my chart? Like, I have an eating disorder. So, Mm -hmm. and then it's kind of, like, embarrassing for them. And I'm like, you should feel embarrassed because Mm -hmm. you, like – And I think once you, like, get more into it, you realize, like, for a long time, I was like, oh, like, well, maybe my body, like, is healthy at a low weight. But, like, I don't know what my body wants to be at because, like, when you're dieting so much and Mm -hmm. doing, like, these dangerous behaviors, your weight Mm -hmm. is never going to, like, naturally be somewhere. It's always going to keep fluctuating. Mm -hmm. And, like, I feel the healthiest I've ever felt now than Mm -hmm. I did at any point and like that's how most people in America are like your weight fluctuates because we diet all the time like Mm -hmm. and so it we don't know what it is to like be at a norm a normal like for your body you don't know Mm -hmm. what your normal body weight is because you've never experienced it because like literally when we're like children we're already trying to lose weight Mm -hmm. like you have to give that up Mm -hmm. you have to give up the idea of doing anything for the idea of being healthy I know that sounds like really weird like like for example I don't work out at all because for me that's really bad like I will I used to work out like excessively. So if I mm-hmm. start doing mm-hmm. it, I would like just get addicted to it again. So mm-hmm. like just like doing things that you feel healthy doing, that doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's healthy for you. Like you have to really listen to yourself. And that's why I like tell people to like look at intuitive eating and like at every size yeah. because those things will make you feel much healthier than any other like diet or lifestyle that's like being promoted to you mm-hmm, like you mm-hmm. will feel the best you've ever felt like not obviously it's, not like if you have like an illness or anything like that but you will feel right. the most it like you will feel solid in your existence when you listen mm-hmm. to your body instead of listening to other people telling you to lose weight mm-hmm. 
we're we're literally told from the time we're like very young especially like people who are raised as women like that like our hunger Mm. is not something we listen to Mm -hmm. which is counter to like everything that evolution has ever like (laughs) like like the, f- no, the idea stomach. of us like not eating when we're hungry is like so counter <laughs> to everything we've evolved to do that like it's still wild to me that like our culture can right. do that like it that it that it that it trains people to not eat when we're hungry and that like hunger is just a sign that like our body is like no when you're hungry you're supposed to yeah. eat because that's how that works <laughs> for the same reason why when you're thirsty you get water right, right like, like but but it still it boggles my mind <laughs> that we like still exist in this world that right. people are still surprised that like oh our bodies are trained to eat when we're hungry huh? what like, a concept that's, like, that's, like what the fuck right like <laughs> so scary <laughs> And the thing is, it's weird, like, a lot, you will find your, like, natural body weight when you Mm -hmm. do that, right? Like, when you, it takes a while because you're, you're trained to ignore those impulses, Mm -hmm. right? But when you, when you, like, start to listen to your body, like, some people, like, gain weight, some people lose weight, like, because, like, they're eating the way their body wants them Mm -hmm. to eat. And, like, that's, that can be hard for some people, especially, I know that, like, a lot of people who are like neurodivergent, like listening to their bodies is harder, right. but like it is a skill we have to like relearn mm-hmm. because our culture has trained us that like those are not as poor as important as like right. Like it's more important like in our culture it is more important to be thin than to like be well nourished. Mm-hmm. Or be alive. Literally and, to be alive. Yeah, and that's wild. It's just wild. And like so when I, I, I mean, it's one of the, the most like gratifying things that has happened since starting Suba is like telling people that information mm-hmm. and watching them like understand life for the first yeah. time, yeah. right? Like, like I remember we're sitting there and like, I was like, yeah, like, I don't remember. I think we were talking about intuitive eating and I was like, it's just eating when you're hungry, you know, the way you're like meant mm-hmm. to eat. And they're like really and I was like yeah that's it <laughs> like that's it's not like this like you know highly academic thing it's not like this specialized thing like eating isn't supposed to be that way right so like I mean our bodies our bodies have evolved in such a way that's like so powerful and beautiful like it'll tell us like like I mean you we've all heard the stories like people on like I like on desert islands mm-hmm. or like stranded mm-hmm. whatever like eating weird mm-hmm. things because their bodies know like they need that nutrient, right. right? Like, our bodies know what we need. Mm-hmm. And, like, by not getting it to them, we're, like, denying, like, our innate personhood. Mm-hmm. And that's the most, like, uh, like, in, yeah. it's it's so invasive and intrusive thing about, like, eating disorders and disordered eating. Because, again, I think my personal belief is that most people in this country have an eating disorder. Yep. And if they don't, they're eating in a disordered way. Mm-hmm. Which are two different things. Like an eating disorder is like a diagnosed problem or like a diagnosable illness. Mm -hmm. But like all of us, almost all of us, unless we're intuitively eating, are eating in a disordered Mm -hmm. way. And like I don't think people realize how pervasive it is. Hot take if you're doing keto, see someone. I'm crying for you. (laughs) Yeah. Like you think, like I'm not joking. My sister, like her, someone that she knows won't. I won't put the scenario out there in case they ever hear this somehow, but like this person, they went on a cruise, right. And they would just eat cheese. 
because they were doing keto, but they wouldn't eat like fruit. And I'm like, how have we gotten to the point where we don't think fruit is healthy anymore? Like bread is not healthy. Yep. Like, and it also like, oh my God, bread. And it shows you kind of again, like how the racism is kind of like connected to it. Like in so many cultures, bread is very, like bread is very important. Rice, very important. Mm -hmm. And then we have diets that are like, don't eat carbs. So just like forget about like your cultural background, Mm -hmm. how you were raised. Oh yeah. Because that's not healthy. And so then you're kind of again equating like a culture and a race with with moral value and fatness. So my my mom is a very thin woman. Um, I'm not gonna say she has an eating disorder. I'm saying that she gave me an eating disorder and maybe it's genetic. Sure. Um, (laughs) But um I'm not saying she does I'm just saying maybe she does but I but so she's very thin she's been thin my whole life right like Mm -hmm. and I'm not and like that that created some division but like I never saw people who were biologically related to me who looked like me Mm -hmm. because everyone in my on my mom's side of the family who I knew like had an eating disorder until I went back to Ireland Mm -hmm. and like I met my family who are like IRA folks, which explains so much about me as a human, um, like, 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 and I met them and they're like fat people, right? Like, they're just like Irish fat people. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, maybe, oh. maybe I'm not broken. Right. Like, maybe I'm not mm-hmm. like, like, maybe like, and they're, and they, I ate like so good and so healthy when I was staying with them. But, and it was like, it was just, but it was like, we ate bread <laughs> right? like we ate like we ate like soda bread and you know like I mean it's like that was one of the moments in my life where I was like hmm, maybe I'm not just broken mm-hmm. and that's the thing about like all of confronting all the mm-hmm. systems in general is like the moment you realize maybe it's not me maybe it's capitalism um is the moment that your life gets better mm-hmm. <laughs> like the moment when you realize you're not mm-hmm. broken um, and I think a lot of fat people have that moment and a lot of other marginalized people have mm-hmm. that moment where you're like, oops, it's not me. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you guys before we close out, um, mm-hmm. what are some like additional suggested readings, maybe YouTube channels, activists, um, mm-hmm. personal plugs oh, that you guys want to throw in um, <laughs> that people can listen to so in order to things. learn more? So the books we mentioned were... Um, Shoot, I'm blanking on the name of Sony Renee Taylor's book. The Body is Not the body an Apology. Is not, a, not an Apology. There we go. The Body is Not an Apology by Sony Renee Taylor. Um, Fearing the Black Body by... Sabrina Strings. There we go. Um, and I would also um, recommend Body of Truth by Harriet Brown, who is a Newhouse professor. Right. So if you're ever it's interested... Incredible. In that, she does teach a class about all of this as well. To all the cruise heads listening, take the class. It's an honors class, unfortunately. So you do have to be an honors to take it, which is a bummer. But also... But if you come to Suba... Yeah, she's our advisor. She's going to come on tomorrow. And Fat Shame by Amy Farrell is really good as well because it talks about how, like, fat phobia got into, like, feminism, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like, how black women were depicted as fat in like white suffragette movements like it's very detailed mm-hmm. about like those kinds of issues and that was kind of my first exposure to it so mm-hmm. once you read that and then you read like mm-hmm. Sabrina Shring's book I feel like it really 
it starts to click. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I do want to plug Suba for this reason. If you go on syr.suba on Instagram and you go to who we're following, mm. um, you can go follow a bunch of like fat black trans people. Yep. Right. And like fill your timeline with a little, a little more light and love and a little less. <laughs> yeah. And we even follow like dietitians, nutritionists who mm-hmm. like are health at every size. And mm-hmm. like that's really important mm-hmm. to see, especially like if you're someone who's in recovery and you're also fat, like it's important to see people who advocate for your health outside of like mm-hmm. a weight perspective. Mm-hmm. And also there's right. a great podcast. It's called Dietitians Unplugged. And it's really good. And that's how I learned like when I was at treatment the nutritionist who actually works at Syracuse now and she is amazing her name is Deirdre amazing amazing she is a health at every size um nutritionist and she like told us about dietitians unplugged and they had an episode about like how studies about obesity like leave out so many things Mm -hmm. so you can't even use it as like reliable data and that for me was when I was like whoa like everything I knew about this is just like completely a lie mm-hmm. yes and there's mm-hmm. so many nutritionists that have podcasts that are like ant like from an anti-fat phobia perspective and it's mm-hmm. definitely worth listening to if you've never like if you need someone to tell you it in like a more because like reading right it can be like not accessible I feel like listening mm-hmm. to it right. sometimes it it's easier to understand the information mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I think like for um most of us have access to Instagram. So mm-hmm. I think like following Suba as well as like going through the followers list, which is something I'll be doing after we're done recording because this conversation was very helpful actually, um, <laughs> is a great way to start at least normalizing, seeing different folks on your timeline that you're not used to mm-hmm. seeing um, instead of like putting um, inspiration porn <laughs> on your timeline. Yeah, literally. Um, yep. Which isn't healthy for you as like, you know, as many people think it is, it's not. So stop. Um, I mean, it's mm-hmm. weird. Like, I've so I was put on the other side of Twitter recently. What I mean is that like someone took a TikTok of mine and put it on Fatspo Twitter, mm-hmm. um, which is basically like where people with eating disorders like go to like. Oh. It's literally oh like where they, like they 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 ca- they they like just have threads of fat people where it's like if you don't. Like, if you eat, you'll get fat. So, like, don't look oh like these gosh. people, right? And, like, for me and, like, the people who I exist, mm-hmm. like, in spaces with, we're, like, it's kind of funny, also mm-hmm. sad, but, like, it's not going to hurt us. But I can't imagine what what, what that would have, like, mm-hmm. done to me as, like, a, a younger mm-hmm. person to be put on, like, mm-hmm. that kind I mean, of... I that's list, hurting me. Right? Like, so, like, what the fuck? It's, like, thinspo, but, like, <laughs> opposite. It's like I've anymore. never heard of that until oh my god they're evolving yeah. <laughs> they're, and like that's the thing is like you can't that's like do people like, realize you like, can't, how fucked that you, is like it shouldn't take like no like I, I just I, see I was trying well, like, to close do, out but like I can't because what the actual they no do. they do but what? this is also like a good thing to remember for people who are listening, like, Mm -hmm. if you have an eating disorder, that doesn't make you accountable. Like, a lot of people in those communities think, like, that, oh, well, of course I don't want to be fat. I have an eating disorder. No, not, I mean, yes, true, but also, like, 
you know what you're doing and saying about fat people is wrong and you're using mm-hmm. your eating disorder as an excuse for you to keep saying it. Mm-hmm. It's just like any other mental illness, just because you were mentally ill at the time of your actions doesn't make, like, make you mm-hmm. less accountable, right? Like, and so like, for me, like, I, I mean, it, it was kind of funny to me because the video they did put up of me was, was like a, a, a Scooby-Doo cosplay. Like, I think that's funny for me. <laughs> um, that that's how I ended up on Fatsmo Twitter was like me as like fat Fred from Scooby-Doo. Um, but like, but like, you know, like, but like I was thinking about it and I was like, it's really mm-hmm. screwed up. Like, it's really screwed up. And like, I want all, I want better for mm-hmm. all those people. Yeah. Right? I want better for everyone. I want better for the people who, like, hate me for mm-hmm. being fat because I know that, like, so, like, when I think about the word homophobia, I don't, I don't usually think that, like, the word homophobia actually, like, captures what homophobes think mm-hmm. about gay people. Like, they just, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a lot of fear there mm-hmm. usually. Um, but, like, fat phobia, I feel like is the most accurate term mm-hmm. possible, right? Because people who are fat phobic are, are actually... Sure afraid mm-hmm. of fat people mm-hmm. and they're specifically they're afraid of becoming mm-hmm. fat people because it's not like unlike other kinds of oppression like you could just become that one day right like and w- when it comes to ableism we manage the the like i don't want to become that one day by like inspiration porn and like other forms of like malignant ableism but like when it comes to fat phobia people are just mm-hmm. fat phobic to avoid, it, you know, that's just that. so horrific. So, I just <laughs> what no, depressing. I, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I was so excited. I was like, <laughs> follow Suba. Like, and now you're telling me sorry. Me I'm like, yo, like, no, it just it really. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, white supremacy just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. In any form that right. it takes, when it takes its form of fat phobia, it makes no sense. When it takes its form of anti-blackness, yep. it makes absolutely no sense. All of these, like, contradictions, et cetera, et cetera. And mm-hmm. it's, like, it's so ridiculous to the point where it's, like, how do you not see that you look dumb? Like, really? How do you not And the notice? moment that you... Because I can see But the it. thing about that... <laughs> but the thing... The, 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 the thing about that exact thing that gives me a little bit of hope is that, like, as soon as you mm-hmm. do see it, you see yeah, all right. of it. Because it's ridiculous. It's right? Foolish. Like, I mean, that's the way I became an anti-capitalist, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I was talking with a professor about, like, all my different kinds of oppression, and they just, like, poked, they were like, it's all capitalism. And I went, oh, and my whole life <laughs> has changed in that moment, right? And that's the thing about, like, it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of glad that it's ridiculous, <laughs> because... It makes people see the fact that, like, maybe we cannot have that ridiculous mm-hmm. structure in our, like, right. in our, mm-hmm. in our worlds in the future. And yeah, and I guess, like, I'll end it on this, but, like, I really genuinely just think, like, people need to realize that imagining a new world is not crazy because the one we live in no. is stupid. It It's just dumb. Like, it's poorly thought out. Like, it's just, it's just the bad execution play, just horrible execution and it's like if you want to continue living in a poorly executed world then fine whatever but like we can make a place for you we can make seriously like we can like we'll give you montana and like you can continue the stupidity there but like honestly like it, it just it grinds my gears because it's just like 
genuinely, how do we continue to sit mm-hmm. in this and just keep it going? Like, we'll bitch about it, right? And complain and like, mm-hmm. oh, this doesn't seem right. And it's like, it doesn't seem right because it's not. And it's like, not. when are we going to really genuinely like, be like, huh? What I'm doing now, scrolling through my Instagram, making fun of fat people, like, you know, that's peak life right now. Like, <clears throat> like if that's your peak, like, that's what you're spending your time doing, like, dead ass, like, please, please, just, it just, it blows my mind. It genuinely just blows my mind. But yeah, like, a new, <laughs> a new world is possible, a radically changed yes. world is possible, like, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. We do not have to sit in the stupid, stupid sauce forever. Because this is just, it's just like, it just yes. feels so ridiculous. Like, I feel like I'm, mm-hmm. I, like, literally, everyone has their clown mask on. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I just, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Well, where can people find y'all, personally, if you want them to find you? Oh. Um, oh. If my fan is watching. <laughs> I have a lot of fans. We love our um, fans. <laughs> I'm sure that my fans already know my username. Are you talking about your white supremacist stalkers? Yeah. Um, um, Justine, if you hear this. <laughs> hi. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. Hi. I mean, my Instagram is illhumanati. It, I don't know why it is that, but it is. It's like ill, H-U-E. It's like Illuminati, but hue instead mm-hmm. and I like share all of this stuff and like environmental stuff like on my story mm-hmm. so I try to be educational so that's what I would I would yes. share with people love that you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at e-b-z-i-b-o-p and for extra fun content you can follow yes! me on TikTok fun at that TikTok! at that at that username, except there's a zero where the O is supposed Ooh. to go. King has surpassed 10K recently. Oh my gosh. Thank them. you. They produce phenomenal content. So please follow their TikTok and follow Talora's Instagram and just follow everybody's socials. Pug your podcast, Eli. <laughs> oh, um, uh, I make a podcast with, with another fat friend. Um, it's called Deep Dives with Quincy and Eli. And you can follow us on Instagram at Deep Dives with QE. We post on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and yes. And- <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys so much again for taking time Yay. to do this. This is wonderful. Love you all thank so much. You. Love you both. Oh, I'm so happy. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Okay. I really hope you enjoyed that amazing discussion. Thank you again, Eli and Taylor, for joining me for such a productive conversation on fat phobia and how we can dismantle it and its intersections. Well, um, I just wanted to thank you guys again for listening. If you want to follow me, you can follow me at Everything TMI on Instagram and at Everything TMI on TikTok. All right. Bye, guys.